Welcome to The Changemakers, where we delve into the lessons from life in the lockdown, from those that are living it, learning from it, and leading organizations through it. My guest today is Renee Elliott, the founder of Planet Organic and an entrepreneur on a mission to promote health in the community. In her Planet Organic days, that meant nutrition. But today in her work with business leaders, that also means mindset. Now, she said then, the most important person in your life is not your mother, your partner, your kid, it's yourself. Take time to look after yourself so you can be an important force in the world. Well, that was the view pre the coronavirus. Let's see whether it stood the test of time. Rene, welcome to the show. Give us your thoughts about where we are today. Hi, Michael. Thanks. Well, I think it is true. I think it's always true for me. The values that I adhere to work in a crisis and in ordinary life. And that is always, it's always about well-being well-being in all of its forms in your life so that you can be brilliant in the world. If you want to be brilliant, I say you have to feel brilliant. And that means looking after your well-being. But when people say well-being, a lot of people think physical well-being, mental well-being. And for me, it's much broader. Everything we do is a whole person process. And everything I look at fits in with that. So there are six spheres of well-being as far as I'm concerned, not two. Right. I mean, but a lot of people will go into those six, but a lot of people struggle with the idea of themselves, of me, that actually isn't there something selfish just looking at yourself when you may have a lot of people around you that need you in very different ways. Good point. That is where people go, particularly women. Men do as well, but I've spoken to rooms of people and the women's hands always shoot up when I say, who feels uncomfortable at the thought of putting themselves first. But very logically, how are you going to take care of all the people in your life and world who you love if you feel cruddy? Or put another way, if you take care of yourself to the point where you feel amazing, don't you think that gives you more ability, power, energy to care for everyone and do everything that you want to do? It's the old saying, you can't pour into someone's cup from an empty pitcher. Mm. I mean, you mentioned those six fears, just sort of in, in summary, what are they? Physical, occupational, psychological, economic, social, and spiritual. And in terms of how they sort of, I guess, index up and down, particularly in a moment of extreme stress and often distress, like the one we are living through now where we're facing the coronavirus. How how do those six spheres um, sort of work in that environment? Well, if you go back to your how you started, which is put yourself first. And again, I do I think it's important to keep recognizing that that is uncomfortable for people. What I'm saying is if you make sure that you are happy and full, fulfilled, then you have the ability to care for other people from a a huge power base. And to do that, it's not just about your physical well-being or your mental well-being. It's about well-being across all of these spheres. And you can't necessarily work on all of them, but you can look at that circle of life for yourself and see what needs work. You may say, wow, I'm really ignoring my social well-being at the moment. I need to do something about that. I need to make a small change, a small improvement. And it's about incremental steps. You know, this is a long, it's a direction of travel. This is over a lifetime. And it feeds into that idea for me 
which is I'm always striving for better. So mm-hmm. it's that upward spiral of better. So what needs to be better now? Oh, it's my physical well-being. I'm not getting enough sleep. Or it's my emotional well-being. So you're and you're constantly tweaking and fine-tuning to constantly be living better. And when you're better, everything you are affects everyone you know. So you can selfishly say, I'm but I'm only looking after myself. But if you I always say, for example, your your health affects everything you do and everyone you know. But that's your overall health. So if you're in a great place, then everyone who's connected to you feels that that gain. Everyone benefits from your being in a brilliant place. I'm interested in, you know, obviously your background as a nutritionist through through um, Planet Organic in terms of feeding people healthily. Today, with your work with your new venture, Beluga Bean, coaching entrepreneurs um, in terms of mindset. From those two perspectives, when you look at how we as societies around the world are reacting to the lockdown, to the restrictions that we're facing, where you see the sort of different ways and the different sort of, I guess, coping mechanisms, what are you picking up in terms of what's happening right now? Well, I think what's incredibly interesting is COVID had shown us that has shown us that the entire world can make enormous and rapid change, which nobody thought possible. You know, if you said three months ago, we're going to shut down the airlines, th- there would be absolute disbelief. But we did it. The miracle around this for me is that it shows that the whole world can stop and change really quickly and really powerfully. And we, first of all, we went through that without a complicated change management plan and strategy. We just did it, bam. But the other thing is that if we can do this, what else could the world change and create by this kind of collaboration? So if you look at the number of people who die of starvation, if you look at the number of people who kill themselves through depression, if you look at those huge global issues, we could solve those. We just don't. The COVID shows us that we can. We can work together and change many things in the world. More self-determining. Yes. Through collaboration, the world has come together for the first time ever because we're all affected by this and we recognize it and we move together. We could do that and tackle other huge issues in the world. So I see this as an opportunity to look at what's not going well in your Mm. world, in your personal world, your business world, in the broader world, and how can you create that change? And you can't say anymore, oh, it's not possible to change. You know, people... You, you love to say that entrepreneurs are change makers and some people are uncomfortable with change. Entrepreneurs are more comfortable. But this shows that anyone, everyone can do it. And that means there's possibility to move forward into a better life. Mm. Not, I, I don't mean, want to go back to the old way. Well, that's what I want to ask you is because, of course, a lot of people will use words like recovery, which, which infers going back to something to recover. A lot of people are sat there saying, actually, my eyes have been opened to a different way of doing things. And a lot of people are sat there with a great deal of fear about all of this because they're facing economic hardship, they're facing ill health. When you look at those sorts of, I guess, different parts of the spectrum, what's the advice, what's the coping mechanisms, do you think, in terms of how people address this kind of period of really the great unknown? I think in any time of crisis or difficulty or when the going gets tough, I like to say, my first point is I avoid a pity party. 
it's very a easy pity to do. party. Yeah. Oh, Come on, tell us what a, what's a pity party. A pity party where you, you pity yourself. Oh, this is awful. Poor me. What's going on? Why is this happening to me? Okay, that's the first thing I don't allow. Stuff happens to people all the time, bad stuff. And I, I, I'm i not going to compare myself and say, oh, it's worse for me. It's better for... Comparison is the short road to hell at any time, whether, whether life is good or life is bad. Comparison gets you nowhere. So first of all, don't feel sorry for yourself because that doesn't get you anywhere. Take care of yourself. Then I go back to my put yourself first. Put yourself first. Take care of yourself. But also get to know yourself again. Or if you never did, know yourself. Goethe's know yourself is key because this is a chance to say, what do I want? What is my purpose? What are my values? Am I where I want to be or do I need to course correct here? And if I do, where am I going? And that only comes from going into yourself and asking who you are, what you want, and why. And if you were to sort of give us a first step in terms of actually how you take control of that future, what is the first step? What's the first question? What's the first action? I think, are you on purpose in your life? Are you happy? It all comes down to happiness. If you're not happy, why not? And that why not may be one of these spheres of well-being that you're not addressing. You know, it may be occupational. It may be that you don't love your work. It may be physical. It may be that you're unfit. You don't feel great. It could be any one of these six. six. So you go into those questions. You find the problem. It's about finding the pinch points and pain points in your life. And then a little step to take you out of that. Awareness gives you choice. And Mm. from choice comes freedom. I mean, great phrase, from choice comes freedom. And in terms of freedom, happiness, some of the themes that you've spoken about there, what does this current crisis show? What does it uncover about the state of happiness in the world right now, do you think? Well, that is the question. And that's why when people say, let's, you know, I can't wait to get back to normal, I kind of cringe inside and think, I don't want to get back to that. That world didn't have the values that are important and people have lost track of what's important to them. Mm. So I think- But but if I could interrupt you, a lot of people will say that's fine when you're in a relatively privileged or in a privileged position where, you know, in some respects, you've got those choices that you've spoken about, you've got those freedoms and therefore maybe you don't want to go back. But if you are, if you're not in that kind of privileged position, then actually the sooner you can get back to some- assured economic livelihood, those sorts of things. Those are the priority. I mean, what do you say when, you, when you're confronted with that? No matter what your situation, you can make your life better in some small way. And that's what I'm talking about. So yes, for, for someone, it may be, I need to go back to my job because you've been furloughed or some other situation. But hasn't this given you some reflective time to look at your life and think, am I on track? You know, maybe it's not money that's the problem. Maybe money is the problem. But what other area of your life can you tweak or course correct? It's a chance to be reflective and to move forward in a more conscious way, whatever it is, whether it's your your relationship with your mom or your spirituality or your your work or your physicality. Does that I mean- make sense? It does, it, uh, because actually w- one of the other interviews this week is, is Will Butler-Adams from, from Brompton. And the point that he makes in his interview is that cities have become these profoundly unhappy places by our own design, because we can't move around them easily. 
We have to take, you know, the underground. We have to do lots of things that that sort of deter basic human sort of like desires, like to be happy. So in terms of the view he was expressing was that there's a chance here to create that happiness with what we do next. I'm, I'm just interested, you know, you're looking at this from a kind of, you know, he looks at it from bikes, you look at it from mindsets. In terms of that, how you do take control of that future, potentially that post-COVID world, how do we make sure that we don't let an opportunity slip through our fingers? Again, I think it's about awareness. And when you look at yourself, where do you have choice? Where can you tweak your life so that you're not going back to that kind of, so many people are on the treadmill and they're rushing headlong and not even stopping to live. Okay. This has given people that opportunity to do that in some ways. So where do you struggle? What are your pinch points? How do you turn it around? There are techniques for changing negative patterns of behavior. There are, you know, fear. There are techniques for changing fear. So what do you need to look at in yourself to make, to create more happiness? There are tricks and tools to change your mindset and not react in a negative way. And, and I'm sure people might be listening going, okay, tell me one, you know, on, on an issue like fear, which is, you know, a daily, a, a big part of people's lives right now and increasingly going to be a part of, of their lives as we start to move in a world where we don't know the danger around us. In terms of how you manage fear, give us a sense of, some, of, of the way you could take control of that. Okay, so when people go into fear, They are, I don't think ever, or largely not in present time. They're afraid of what's, they immediately go out of the moment and go into the future. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen then? What if that happens? What if, if you take a breath and bring yourself back into the moment, where are you? You're sitting somewhere in your home, you're safe, breathe. You know, it's when we go out of the moment. So you can breathe, you can no, look at where you are now. You can go into gratitude. Be grateful for anything or everything that you have. When you're in gratitude, you go into grace. You, you are not in fear. And then you can be active about what are you afraid of? Is there anything you can do about it? I'm not a great believer in hope. I think hope is passive. I don't see hope as a strategy, but I see action as strategy. Even if it's prayer or meditation, that's more active than Hope is like waiting for something good to happen. I don't Mm. believe in that. I'm like, take charge. What is there anything you can do now to mitigate this event coming in the future that you're afraid of? Is there any way you can skill yourself, tool yourself, change direction, think out of the box, choose something different? And whenever you're not sure about something, trust your gut. That was my thing. That's my key. your, Your word's not mine. I mean... Gut instinct is something that you are a big believer in, that kind of inner voice that's telling you what to do. Tell us more. Absolutely. So when you're faced with any situation, there's often a gut response. And then we go into our heads and we start analyzing, second guessing ourselves, doubting ourselves. And then we talk to lots of people and gather their opinions. And then sometimes we make a decision. I'm saying, trust your gut. If in this time or when faced with any difficult decision or dilemma, What's your gut saying? And by gut, I can't say enough. I'm talking about your stomach, your intuition, your inner knowing, not your head. That is your purpose. That's where your purpose and your values lie. So this is a chance to say, okay, get out of my head. What's my heart saying? 
What should I be doing? What could I be doing differently? What needs to be better in my life? It's a chance to self-examine and trust that voice and possibly go forward into a better future. Mm. If you're not in a privileged situation and you're going back to a grind, it doesn't mean you can't still work on that slowly over time. But I suppose a lot of people have replaced the noise of cities and the day-to-day with the noise of TV and Netflix. And, you know, I, I, I can speak quite guiltily of that in terms of knowing that actually there is a moment in time here where the self-reflection, the opportunity to address it may, may never come round again like this in terms of how we do the right thing, even though your gut instinct is saying, turn off the remote, do something positive with the time. What's the advice for those of us that are, you know, sat possibly listening to an interview like this and saying, I want to do it. The sort of the heart is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay. So my question to you is, how many lives do you have? Well, unless it's, unless it's reincarnation, I'm I'm guessing this is it. (laughs) Yeah, this is it. So are you going to do it now? Are you not going to do it? Are you going to get to the, so I always say when you're faced with something where you think, oh, I want to do it. I don't want to do it. Or, and if there's fear, put yourself forward five years. In five years, you're going to look back and say, God, I'm so glad I turned the TV off and read that book or played that game with my kids or went for a walk with someone or with someone on my phone, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you can do in these circumstances. Or are you going to say, oh, I'm so glad I watched that TV program? You know, it's give yourself perspective. Put yourself on your deathbed. Is this the life you want to be living? And I can't Mm -hmm. say, and I know a lot of people are saying this now, but there's still a lot of people not hearing it. At the end of your life, what do you want to have done, lived, been? Who do you want to be then? You have to be doing that now. You have to reverse engineer that into your life now. I mean, interestingly, I mean, you founded Planet Organic during a, you know, kind of particular time. I mean, you faced the BSE crisis. There were lots of things where I guess you learned to live a very different life as an entrepreneur and as a change maker. What changes now in terms of going forward, if you were doing it all again, what opportunities would you be looking for in this kind of, as we hope to enter at some point, this this sort of post-COVID world? When I look back at my planet career and other working times in my life, the only clangers I've made, which have, I look back and think, oh, I would have done that differently, is when I didn't listen to my gut. And that's the big lesson I learned. I wished I'd had a mentor at that time to guide and support and say, trust your gut, trust yourself, you know best, you know best for you. And I think that lesson that I learned is again, relevant now, you know best for you, what do you want? What's interesting as well for me is the big crisis we hit at Planet was when BSE hit, which you just referenced. Mm. Everyone stopped eating meat, okay? So it's kind of, you can do draw a parallel to COVID-19. When that time passed, people either went back to eating meat or they didn't. They went to eat organic meat. And the difference was in that time of crisis, if fear, that fear that came up around, oh my God, we can't eat meat now. If fear led to learning, people changed their behavior. So this is Mm. a chance to learn, change, and move forward to a better life. And in terms of that better life, do do you get a sense from this? I mean, you, you know, we see some extraordinary examples of kindness, the Thursday night clap, the things that we're we're seeing, you know, to thank the NHS. But do you think 
do you think there is a prospect of of a kinder world or or is there just something in the the human condition that business as usual is what we kind of automatically default back to and so the last question in terms of where do we go from here i think this could be an awakening to a kinder world and i I believe that. I think I think there's a really interesting phrase going around. You know, hindsight is 2020 vision. Maybe 2020 is the year that we awaken and move forward into a kinder, gentler, sweeter world. Renee Elliott, thank you very much for that. What a wonderful place to end this interview, an awakening into a kinder world. What a super interview in terms of the the themes about how you can take control, how you can confront your fears, how you can know what's best for you and how you can live it right now. I loved that phrase, from choice comes freedom. And with that freedom, we're going to have to end this show. My thanks once again to Renee. We'll see you on the next Changemakers. Changemakers.